Welcome to this episode of the This is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mistrucci, and as always, I am joined by Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how are you doing today? James, I am doing really, really well. Chelsea beat Arsenal, which is always good news, Mm -hmm. and the Browns look like not only are they going to be preseason champs, but that they're going to have a good season, so I'm excited. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a, a good point to start off with. But before we get into that, real quick reminder to everyone, remember to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends. If you don't, it's stealing uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, uh, as well as thisisbelieveland.com and realbrownsfans.com. Remember to share the podcast and tell everyone that you know. But anyways, uh, 17 to 13. Uh, quick takeaways from you, because I, I have a couple ready to go. I just want to see if uh, any of yours align with what I got going on. Yeah, so, I mean, my first one is that I think Felton actually may have ended up being a steal for when we got him. Yeah. This dude can do everything. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a quote tweet I did yesterday that you ended up liking where it someone said that... Uh, Felton might be everything and everything we thought Duke Johnson was going to be. I'm yeah, like, exactly. he could be. Like he's Duke the Johnson. idealized version of Duke Johnson. And so if he turns into that, even if he turns into what Duke Johnson is was, that's still fine, considering that he doesn't have to be a starter. Round. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen. Last week he did all of his snaps at receiver, mm-hmm. and then Stefanski said this week in practice rather than putting him in receiver, they made him a running back all week. And so in this game, he took all of his snaps at running back. And in both games, he looked equally effective. Yes, absolutely. And so I, I think Felton, uh, we'll get into this a little bit more, but to the dismay of some people and some fans of certain players, I think he's making the roster, everyone. Yeah, I it, listen, I, I think Schwartz by midseason is going to end up having a role is like kind of a more speedy gadget guy but in terms of kind of your motion guy to start the year mm-hmm. right the guy you bring in that can be running back or receiver and the other team doesn't know so when you put him in motion it reveals if the other team's in man or zone mm-hmm. i think that's felton and i think that's felton from week one absolutely because you know there's still the, the they're dealing with an injury for schwartz currently and they're not going to just IR him now and get rid of his entire rookie year. What I feel like they're going to do is, if he's still not ready to go by week one, IR designate to return, then when he's ready to go, they'll bring him back. But for the time being, Felton's the guy that would be doing what Schwartz normally would do. Yeah, and I think it could be in almost like, in the future, they can do it the same thing, but differently, mm-hmm. right? And we see this with the 49ers now. Uh, where they have just so many receivers that can do this, right? So, like, they drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round, and he kind of does it, right? Mm -hmm. And they just have, like, this litany of guys that surround their, like, their quarterback, whether that be Garoppolo or Trey Lance, like Debo Samuel. I mean, I think Felton could be that Debo Samuel role for us. Yeah, he definitely right, like, has that possibility. A lot of people thought Debo Samuel was a running back when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, to me, he could be the Debo Samuel type, and Schwartz could be kind of more of just like the burner trick guy, right, who you use on jet sweeps and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think just in terms of a guy you can stick in motion, I think Felton may be even better. 
Yeah, and you know, you could get weird with it and have both of them start off outside and, you know, motion Schwartz in to the backfield and get weird with, like, some sort of reverse or, you know, quick handoff to Schwartz that goes back to Felton the other way. I mean, there's infinite possibilities for all of the trick plays Kevin Stefanski likes to run. Right, exactly, and I think... Um, so I, I made this on Real Cavs fans. I made a post about this. And, like, I think you and I are both probably more skeptical of Baker Mayfield than the average Browns fan. Yes. What I did say, though, I said, if you're Baker Mayfield, what you're hoping for this year, if you're Kevin Stefanski, what you're hoping for Baker this year, is that another year in this offense with now more talent. So, yeah, the concepts are confusing, but Baker's maybe more just to the concepts. And now Stefanski has the talent to make Baker's life easier mm-hmm. that Baker can actually continue his end of season form. And I think if you're Baker Mayfield, if you're a Browns fan, if you're Kevin Stefanski, that's what you're hoping for right now. That a guy like Felton changes the game for Baker. Yeah, he definitely could. Because, you know, this isn't to, uh, a slight or anything to Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt or even to Ernest Johnson. Uh, they can't do what Felton can in terms of that specific skill set. Right. And like, you could put Kareem Hunt in motion, but that puts Kareem Hunt in the exact running situation he's bad at, which is getting through the line of scrimmage out on the outside of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. That's not his skill set, right? His skill set is either just breaking through, just like running like a boulder, just downhill, mm-hmm. or getting the ball out in space past the line of scrimmage. You don't want him in motion, though, because then he has to just get into space by himself. And that's, and that's not where he excels. And it's a waste of Nick Chubb's talent. Yes. So a, for Felton, like, it is what he was designed to do. A- absolutely. I mean, there, there's a reason why we saw Landry and Beckham running all of the end rounds and sweeps last year. And it's not because yeah. uh, they're great at it. It was because uh, using Chubb or Hunt in that capacity just wasn't ideal. Well, and now if you have Felton, and you can ostensibly use Felton once or twice a drive, just throw him in motion. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be anything more than that. Just literally throw him in motion. Uh, he doesn't even need to end up being involved on the play. What that does is then if you have Felton on the field and you put him in motion and then OBJ in motion, all those jet sweeps where everybody knew if OBJ was coming around that it was going to him, now they're not going to know that. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yeah, maybe maybe the and, and it will be diagnosable because you'll see in motion, maybe the other team hedges and says, we're more worried about OBJ getting the ball in space here. Well, okay then, Felton's also getting moving out in space and is going to get the ball because you decided to send another guy to cover OBJ. Yeah. Right? So it like just makes these plays that much more deadly. And if you're Baker Mayfield and you're saying, I don't want to sign a new contract yet, I think the reason you're doing it is you're banking on that, that the offense is going to be easier for you this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, and one last thing about Felton. Uh, before we move on for a minute, but uh, as far as he's concerned and using uh, him and OBJ in that kind of tandem right there, is that it gets defenses thinking, and once defenses start thinking, they're toast. They're done. That's that's, the whole point of this offense. Yeah. So if you get them to think, that's going to just give the offense just that little split second of an advantage, and that's really all you need to turn... Just like a three to four yard gain into a 50, 60 yard touchdown. Exactly. Exactly. And I I just, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I feel like that we've covered it, but I think Felton and just the idea of Felton 
is going to really open things up this year, which I know is crazy to talk about a sixth round pick like this. But again, if it adds four plays to the playbook that you can run out of six different formations, that that's a game changer. It is. It gives you just that, that extra just uh, versatility offensive, offensively that can make the difference between just having an offense that's good and having an offense that's great. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So uh, one thing I wanted to touch on is uh, we, we, we can put the whole Kyle Laletta thing uh, to, to rest, right? Like, that's over. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be fair, I didn't think I, he nor Case Keenum looked all that good. But I think the idea, if neither of them looked that good, I'd rather keep Case Keenum. Which, by the way, I said on Thursday, this Giants defense is no joke. The defensive mm-hmm. coordinator knows what he's doing. He does. And he was confusing both of them yeah. all game long. And I, I, I hate to say it, but Baker would have also been confused by this defense. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I uh, mean, this This was... He, he's a really good defensive coordinator. Yeah, he, he is. But the, the main point I was getting to is, you know, we saw all the quick hot take articles of people like, oh, let's trade Case Keenum, or, you know, all the tweets saying, uh, you know, move Case Keenum and keep Kyle Loretta. I'm like, no. And you saw why no. yesterday. Uh, Kyle yeah. Loretta looked fine when he was just being, you know, captain checkdown for, you know, when he first came into the game. But he had, like, a three-and-four-play sequence or so towards the end of the half where it's just like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, my gut, so I saw on Twitter, like, two takes, right? Like, one is, well, everybody had a bad game, so let's still look to week one for Loletta. But I, the take that I thought was a little bit maybe more accurate is the Browns missed their window to trade him. I, I just don't think NFL teams are that stupid. Right? No, they're I don't not. think NFL teams saw last week's game and were like, Cleveland will give you a six-round pick for Loletta. I, I just, I don't think they that, did. I don't think anything changed. You're right. This is like, that thinking comes from back in the day in Madden when you can just trade with the Raiders, and for some reason they were dumber than every other team in the game. Yeah. And they would give yeah. you anything and everything. I don't yeah. know why they had that feature in there for the Raiders. Uh, the Browns probably had it too, but I always played as the Browns, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you could trade them whatever you want, and you would always get max return from the Raiders. Uh, yeah. That's, I guess, where that logic comes from. But no one's going to trade for Kyle Walletta. Let's get out of here. Uh, the, the only right. way someone's going to trade for Kyle Walletta was if he continued to play it, uh, competently, which he right. didn't last yesterday or last week, whatever, by the time you're listening to this. But if he continued to do that throughout the first three weeks and a team found themselves in desperate need of a quarterback. Uh, and when I say desperate, I mean like, all three of the guys ahead of them, like, all broke their legs simultaneously. Okay? That's yeah. the only way. Or, or, or the Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah, or that. I, I mean, they're a, they're yeah, a dumpster no, fire yeah, yeah, in their situation. Absolutely, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. So, I mean, Kyle Letta, it was fun for a week. It was like, ooh, Kyle Letta, it's something new. Like, remember when we got excited about Kevin Hogan? It was one of those type of things. So, yep. Letta, it's it's been real, dude. But when we get to week one, I expect the case game to be the backup. Listen, Loletta is no Connor Shaw. <laughs> Connor Shaw, I think you got to bust out Alex Tanny, the trick shot guy. <laughs> so I have a funny story. So we were, I am live in D.C. and the D.C. Browns, I do the D.C. Browns backers. And we do this thing in Northern Virginia. And we were all there watching. It was like week 16 or something. And Connor Shaw started. Mm. 
And there's like this table that is like going crazy every time he throws a pass. And so we're like, you guys pick on our shop fans. It was his family. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was his family, man. It was awesome. But they loved this. I mean, it was it was really funny, actually. But yeah, no. Uh, right. Kyle Letta is a guy that may have gotten time for the Browns five years ago. Yeah. Uh, he will not make the roster. There's yeah. not enough spots. Don't. I don't think so. Uh, anything else you would like to touch on from the game? Yeah, I mean, the next big thing to me was defensive line, uh, specifically interior defensive line, I uh, think was I am... uh, eliminated. Uh, I, <laughs> Andrew Billings may make the roster. I He's looking garbage against second stringers. Yeah, and he's in and he played as much as he did. Uh, for someone who's presumably supposed to be a starter and is listed as such on the Browns depth chart at this moment that I'm looking at on my second screen here uh, as the starter. They weren't playing him to be like, hey, get in shape. It's, do you have anything in the tank? That's why he was playing. But we'll get into right. more about preseason stuff later. But that's, that's just a little bit of a little taste for a little yeah, later yeah, in the pod. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll talk about roster stuff. But I, I just think, like, in general... I mean, is Sheldon Day the best defense? Malik Jackson and Sheldon Day, like, are those our two best defense tackles right now? At this moment in time, yes. I mean, uh, I know Jordan without Elliott hesitation. really good. You and I talked about it uh, over Twitter. Like, Jordan Elliott was looking really good yesterday, which mm -hmm. is awesome. And but it, again, like, it, it, it's the Jordan Elliott story, right? He's yeah. looking really good. He was getting pressure. It's just the end game wasn't there, and, uh, which is better than it was last year. And I'm sure that'd be different, you know, with Miles Garrett in the game, or even Clowney, for that matter, okay? Yeah. So, I, and Jordan I, Elliott may be our third down defensive tackle. And you know what? That's fine. That's great. We've needed a third down defensive tackle for a decade. And, you know, considering that, you know, another guy they could also use in that capacity being Tommy Togiai, pretty yeah. solid to me. I, yeah, I, Togiai is one of those guys that I actually wonder, like, is this dude going to end up starting? It's possible. It's like, definitely possible. If Andrew Billings gets cut or, or doesn't, right? Like, listen, there's stuff we don't see from a preseason game. Like, 95% of what's going on we don't see in the preseason mm -hmm. uh, or in the games, right, as yeah. fans. Maybe Andrew Billings is, like, organizing the defensive line. And so while he himself sucks, the defensive line doesn't work without him, right? Mm -hmm. That it's plausible. They, that was what Sandejo was last year, right? Like, yeah, yeah teams were targeting Sandejo, but without Sandejo in there, the defense looked even worse. Which is um, amazing to think about. It is. But but that's what happens when Carl Joseph is your starting safety. Um, Good Lord. Anyways. <laughs> Um, anyways, like, and so, so acknowledge, right? I acknowledge yeah. that. I think, I mean, the logical part of me says with how Andrew Billings is performed with however weight he is, he doesn't make the roster. And we'll talk about that. But like, part of me also says they've been saying he's going to start basically the whole off season. I think they may just throw him in there as the starter and see what happens. Either way, this defensive line sucks or the interior. Oh, the interior is the weakest part of the defense. Which... But, but, dude, like, it's a that's a huge problem. It is. I mean, we can all remember the Raiders game last year. They pretty much just ran half-back dive from Madden over and over again. Right, <laughs> and I guess my question, an inside zone. They, I mean, inside zone is just going to destroy our team. Oh, like, yeah. I, everybody thinks, like, the Chiefs are just going to pass to death, but, like, 
Andy Reid is the king of inside zone, I think the Chiefs make it 200 yards on us rushing. Oh, they're just one. They're, they're literally going to do the, I, I know I brought up Madden, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, the, the old Madden trick where you spread them out wide, then you mm-hmm. have just the, the defensive lineman and a linebacker maybe there and run it up the middle over and over again. Yeah, they're going to do inside zone out of like six different formations all game long. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, is a team that wants to control the clock, mm-hmm. th- that's a problem. And, and I get it. Limited number of assets. I do think they use them as best as they could to kind of fill that hole, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the Malik Jackson signing was smart. Uh, and you were the one that really kind of convinced me on that. I think drafting Tommy Togi, I was really smart. I think signing Marvin Wilson was really smart. But it just may be... It's still an unproven group. Yeah. And that, that to me, is the whole. And so I am worried about that a little bit. I have to be honest. That is a little concerning to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, it's definitely... If you're looking for just a weak spot to point to that a team could exploit, it's the interior defensive line, without question. I mean, so, like, okay, you're Joe Woods. Yeah. Right? And, like... How, how do you go about handling that, right? Like, what are you doing? Um, something I would consider yeah. would be um, showing double A-gap pressure to try and help alleviate the possibility of, you know, them attacking that spot. By having like, more... Ga- just rush talky-talky down the middle, kind of? You could even do that. You don't even have to actually rush there. You just have to show it. So it's sure. going to be less likely that a team's in, like, hey, we'll run into four dudes when we get three blockers there. It's just right. It's all a numbers game, really. It would just be, it would just be being like, hey, if you're gonna run, we got four guys here. If not, if you're not running, these two guys are gonna drop back in coverage. At least have that thought there and have it be a, a relative consistent presence in the defense to help take the pressure off of what is ultimately a group with little experience. Yeah. No, I I think that's smart. I think that's probably what they're gonna have to do. I. And, I mean, we were talking about a pre-pod, but uh, Sheldon Day was a key piece of that 49ers defense a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. under Joe Woods. So I think Sheldon Day probably gets a lot more snaps than people may think. Like, I think he could be a guy that's getting 20 to 30 snaps a game. Yeah. Um, But that's what he is, right? He's a good rotational defensive tackle. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's fine. I, I think the interior of the defensive line is going to be a giant rotation the entire time. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody slotted in being like, this guy's playing 90% of the snaps every game. Uh, let's face it, uh, none of these guys are Aaron Donald. None of these, two of these guys combined together are not Aaron Donald, okay? Um, they don't have anyone who's a, a lock-in, put it in pencil as a starter, and the interior defensive line. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not even... You don't even need to do Aaron Donald, right? You, right. You don't have a DeForest Buckner or anybody that's close to DeForest Buckner. And, like, I, I like DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a top-five defensive tackle, but he's not Aaron Donald. Yeah. We don't have anything close to that. We don't have two guys combined that are close to that. Yeah. So that that is concerning. Yeah. I guess uh, my one last takeaway, and I went into yeah. it a little bit on uh, my article on uh, This is Believe One for Rival Game Recap, was... Uh, the talent gap between the Browns and Giants was a lot closer than the talent gap between the Browns and Jaguars. It really showed you, one, how bad the Jaguars actually are, and two, uh, once you get past a certain level of of team talent-wise, things start to get a little bit closer together. Uh, the Browns' depth was better, but not by much. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I, so I am actually pretty high on the Giants this year. I have them winning that division, which I know is, like, insane, right? Because Daniel Jones is the quarterback. But mm. I actually like a lot of stuff on their team. And I think that division, I mean, yeah, theoretically the Cowboys are going to be better. Theoretically the football team is going to be continue improving. But it, it, both of those, the logic for both of those mm-hmm. is that nothing gets worse. Anything either gets better or stays the same. And that's not how – it works in the NFL. Yeah. And I think the Eagles are going to be awful. They're not so I think, honestly. Yeah. So I think the Giants at least have, but it, what I think makes the Giants strong is they just have like, I don't think there's much of a difference in their talent between their first and second team. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, like there is a difference, right? Yeah. But I mean that in a good way. Like I think like the Browns, they, they will be able to survive injuries. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I just I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy, and no, as, I think he's awful. As you know, uh, a team, you know, uh, succeeds or fails basically on the arms of the quarterback. Um, Daniel Jones is awful. Even even when uh, they have Saquon Barkley as their running back, which uh, looking back at the the draft notes for for that one, uh, <laughs> quite yeah. the old takes exposed moment uh, for yeah, the Browns. I, I guess for me too, that offensive line still isn't great. Like Andrew Thomas started looking better towards the end of the year, but you can't just give it to Saquon 40 times a game. Yeah. this uh, Right. Otherwise he's going to get hurt. So you're going to need to pass the ball. And not to get too in too deep of a giant's rabbit hole, but yeah. Saquon can't pass block. So he's never no. in there as a pass blocker on third down. No, I mean, right. Like, and you don't want him to be either. You right? don't want like him to be, would, but. It's important yeah. to have a running back who can pass block, and, and they don't. Right, right. which, uh, by the way, just to get our Nick Chubb prop in for today's episode, talk about a great pass blocker. Like, underrated quality of Nick Chubb is he is one of the best pass blockers in the NFL. Absolutely. Because he's a truck, but yeah. still. <laughs> like, he's really good at it. Uh, no, but I agree. I, I think that, again, it's backups. I'm not, like overly concerned or overly excited about the game but i think you're right i think mm-hmm. what that showed more than anything are where the holes are on the roster yeah pretty much and i i think that's a it's a good transition to the favorite segment of this podcast uh we normally or we previously did this just kind of a review of position by position but we got through all the position groups and we figured let's tweak it a little bit and you know when you're watching a game Certain players go completely unnoticed and other guys stick out. Uh, a better term for those are guys or dudes. And so guys or dudes of the week. Who stood out for you as a dude? Because there's one guy, or one not one guy, one player in particular who stood out to me as a dude, and that was Kaderil Hodge. Yeah, yeah, I know. Kaderil Hodge had a great game. Kaderil Hodge went up, he high-pointed the ball, he made a play on the ball, and came down for a touchdown. Can't be Here's the thing about Kaderil Hodge. Go ahead. <laughs> I said, same can't be said for a play two plays earlier, but Kaderil Hodge made the play. Right. I mean, what, like, I think Kaderil Hodge does a few things really important that are mm-hmm. really important. I think we saw them all this game. Yes. One, he receives like a tight end. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you pointed out, right? Like, he took a few steps back. He readjusted. But, mm-hmm. like, 
it's like a little bit like watching like a target man in soccer when you yes. watch Hodge play. Like when he backs up, he just like muscles guys. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important, especially because I think without Carlson, that will be something we can use on the goal line a lot more. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, a, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. And then secondly, he has good hands. Like I don't remember many Hodge drops ever, actually. I can't think of many. I can I can look it up while we're uh, discussing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the. And I could uh, be wrong there. And then third is special teams, which like. I, I know, and like somebody got into it with me on Twitter about this yesterday about like special teams. Like, well, dude, it's special teams. Like, you can find anybody off the street that can do that. But like, the answer actually is no, you can't. Like, your depth has to be able to play special teams. Mm-hmm. You need guys to do that, right? That it's a fifty-three man roster, no matter what. Yeah. So having a guy that can do it, that's willing to do it, and then can go right back out there and play offense is really important. Yeah. Uh, note, uh, Kadero Hodge has one career drop. And also, side note, last year, uh, all 11 of his receptions went for first downs. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Right. He's not going to be a volume receiver. Right? Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to be playing many snaps. No. Right, it, it, if he makes the team. But I think he will have an impact on the snaps he does play. And that's important. Uh, he played 60% special teams in 2019, 20% last year, but he did take on an increased workload offensively, so I think they tried to balance that out a little bit as the season progressed. Well, and also, like, we barely ever play with big receiver sets. Yeah. Right? More than likely we're going to be playing with two tight ends or a tight end and a running back and a fullback or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... OBJ and Landry are more or less going to be in on every play. I, odds are Hooper and one of Brian or Najoku are going to be in on every play. Mm-hmm. And then one of Chubb and Hunt are going to be in on every play. So maybe you have Belton in there, right? Maybe you had Schwartz later yeah. on in the season in there. Um, the, the argument for Hodge is that goal line, right? Like yeah. the goal line offense, he is the receiver you probably would rather have in there than somebody like even i mean like i and you know how much i love him but like maybe even more than a jarvis i'm with you i was about to say the same uh, thing at least on some plays right it, not every like i think the majority of your goal line plays you want jarvis in there instead but like if you're gonna do just one of those like quick baker needs to throw to a big body type plays hodge is the guy yeah i think hodge may be a better fit or, there or even if you want to run one of the least uh statistically successful plays uh in the end zone fade. on the goal line the goal line fade I'd rather throw a fade to Hodge because he's bigger than Landry. Right, exactly. So, I, and again, I, I don't... Do I think Hodge is a lock to make the roster? No, but I, I do think he did himself a lot of favors, and I think odds are probably better that he will make it than he won't make it. I'm with you. Do you have a, a dude or guy from the week? Um, I'm going to save my guy because I know you're going to bring him up next. Um. <laughs> But but uh, I already talked about him. Raymond Felton, or yeah, uh, Demetric Felton, not Raymond Felton. That's the NBA player. <laughs> Demetric Felton. Uh, I don't know. I'm really excited about him. I think he will not. Ne- right? Maybe his best is kind of just that, like actualized Duke Johnson, or or I, I mean, I think the high end for him actually is Debo Samuel. Right, and yeah. so maybe that's what like his high end is, and he never reaches it. But I think for this offense, 
teams are just it, it changes everything for this offense. It it really does. It really does. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we we definitely went pretty in depth on Mr. Felton earlier. Uh, would you like to say the guy that I got uh, queued no, up? No, and, no, it's and, yours. I, I have a different one. So oh, you give oh, me your next. Oh, you mean the one I got into a Twitter argument with yesterday? Yeah, I <laughs> the one, the only Richard Hollywood Higgins. Higgins. Let's be honest here. As I mentioned, I got into a Twitter argument with someone about it, and multiple other people chimed in. But, and I mentioned it just a second ago about the touchdown that Kadero Hodge caught. Two plays earlier, Rashard Higgins basically like mailed it in on a pass coming into the end zone. Granted, the the ball was kind of lollipopped in there, but the difference between uh, a good receiver and a great receiver is that a a good receiver lets the ball come to him, and a great receiver goes and makes a play on the ball. Yeah, and to me, I guess the bigger issue is that if we're talking about Higgins to be like this backup X to Odell, he makes a play. I, I care less about that. <laughs> Right? Like, I care less about that because he's not going to see those types of passes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the the conversation with Higgins is that he is A, a backup to Landry, B, sees the field in four receiver sets. Mm-hmm. Okay, because in either of those situations, he is going to need to be a guy that could, like, that, that basically means, like, he is the easy throw for Baker on a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And that to me that play was a problem and i know like i get the argument right like it was not a great throw acknowledged yes uh, from case i think that was case keenum that, that, that that was keenum yeah it was not a great throw acknowledged like was it a difficult catch sure it didn't even look like higgins tried to catch it though and he, that that was my bigger problem it, it's it's really the fact that he sat there and waited for the ball to come to him Okay. Yeah. You you don't do that. Uh, whatever the sport is, you you never let the ball come to you. You charge it. Whether it's whether you're playing baseball and you're you're trying to charge a grounder coming at you, or you know you're you're playing football waiting for a pass. I mean, uh, it was clear in day that it was clear as day the difference between Rashard Higgins and Davion Davis on a very similar play and route later in the game. Davion Davis went and caught a very similar type pass from Kyle Valletta. He cut his he cut his right off, came back to the ball, caught it, and got the first down on an almost identical play. That's the yeah, difference between I, a guy that's actually sort of trying and one that mailed it in. Yeah, I mean, and like, listen, uh, there are things we don't know, right? Higgins could have been told by the coaching staff, "You you have a spot on the roster. We just need you to play a few snaps because we have injuries," right? Like, yeah. and we don't know that. Um, what I will say is that if you look at this roster, I, I think they're probably not going to keep more than six receivers and or seven if you consider Felton a receiver. Uh, but if you're doing that, then I mean it's three running backs instead of four. But I think six receivers, four running backs, four tight ends. Mm-hmm. The real question becomes, is it the set are you gonna have seven receivers and three of one of the tight end or running back spots because if not that isn't like to me just intuitively that's not good news for higgins making the roster Uh, again i I think ultimately he will like i think there are probably chemistry things and chemistry reasons why they'll keep him. but i also like when i look at it man like just from what we've seen, I don't think Higgins has given us definitive reason 
that he is the best guy to keep over the fourth tight end or 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 Darnus Johnson. I haven't seen it either, and for for what it's worth, what we've seen out of uh, you know camp and practices. Granted, it's camp and practices, but uh, Baker seems to have a hell of a chemistry with Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah, yes, and he's our third receiver this year. Like no he, question, and he has. Uh, you know, a significantly higher ceiling than Higgins ever has or ever will. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there was a funny conversation on uh, Real Cavs fans, but it was like, okay, what if DPJ becomes better than OBJ this year? And I think that's, like, to a degree, like, a little funny. Like, that won't happen. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're talking about potential, yeah. I, I don't I, – I think, like, OBJ, like, prime OBJ is, like, the tippy, tippy, tippy top of Donovan People Jones's potential. Yeah. I think – that world almost doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me, do I think Donovan Peoples-Jones could become a really good X receiver? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, he is going to be the third receiver. Right? Like, even yeah. if Higgins makes the roster, Higgins isn't seen the field that much. No, he's not. He's going he's to play like five plays a game. Yeah. And he won't play special teams, which again is a strike against him. Mm-hmm. Right? To me. It, so, it, it is. It, it, it's honestly, it's a strike against him, but by uh, you know any you know coach that knows what the fuck he's doing, um, that's just that's just the the, the fact of the matter. Because you know, good, smart, intelligent head coaches, even just average head coaches for that matter, value special teams. And if you're not a starter, you got to contribute on special teams. And Higgins doesn't. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, I, there's only so many spots. And so the, the neck, the last argument, right, is that, no, you, you keep seven receivers, four running backs and four tight ends, and you store one less defensive player, right? And maybe that's a linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that is a defensive lineman. But like, at a certain point, it's almost overkill. Right. And the question is, like, who can you get that will be best in their like most likely to see the field, I guess, is my view. Mm-hmm. And a guy like Kadero Hodge is definitely going to see the field because of special teams. Right. Just like a lot of these defensive guys are kept on the roster because they've played special teams in college. Right. And that's why they stay on the field or why they stay on the roster. So I, I, I think that Higgins Again, I think more likely than not, that probably is the world we're in, where either Higgins makes it instead of a tight end or instead of a defensive player. Mm -hmm. But I think this idea that Browns fans have that, A, he's a lock, and B, he's going to have a big role this season, are just wrong. Like, I I think we won't see a lot of him if he does make the roster, and I don't think he's a roster lock. I actually think right now they're probably seeing what they can get for either him or Hodge. And yeah. I like Carol Hodge a lot, but, like, it is possible, like, with all the injuries, there may be a team that's like, listen, this dude can do special teams and is a big body who can play receiver. Here's a fourth-round pick, and then the Browns take the fourth-round pick and run. Yeah, that, right. that's and, and Same thing with possible. Higgins. Like, like there is a theoretic possibility where, like, a team that's just really weak at receiver says, listen, this guy isn't spectacular at anything, but he can come out and run plays. They won't be perfect, but we need somebody here, right? Like this is like the Jaguars type guy that they had last year, right? Where they had like all these guys that were just like solid receivers. Mm -hmm. um, And and that may then offer fourth or fifth or Higgins, right? And then the Browns take it and run. I just, 
I I don't know. I think that he's not a lock, and I think he did not play well yesterday. No, he didn't. He, he didn't play a lot to begin with, but it, right. it, it's just that specific sequence, seeing just Higgins mail it in, and followed by, you see Kadero Hodge give a ton of effort on the same route. on a, He was a better throw to Hodge, granted. I will admit that. Yep. But the difference between that, then you see Davion Davis make the play Higgins should have made. It's just like, what are we doing here? And, yeah. And, you know, and to your point, it's something to consider. It's not Rashard Higgins versus, you know, Jamarcus Bradley or the now-waved Alexander Hogg, uh, Hollins or Davion Davis or JoJo Natson. It's it's Higgins versus, you know, Jordan Franks or Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, or some of these other defensive guys. Like a like a Tony Fields or a MJ Stewart, you know what I mean? It's, right. It's it's it's, right. it's not it's not you know position versus position. It's roster spot versus roster spot. And like, listen, I think that's probably what ends up happening, right? Is that Higgins makes it instead of like an MJ Stewart. Yeah. And in that um, world, I, I wouldn't be mad because MJ Stewart's not that good. But no, it's. I mean, that's the like that's the type of trade off you have. I guess my view more than that. It, I don't think Higgins is a likely cut at all i think higgins is a guy that has a shot of being traded yeah i guess is the way i, I put it uh, honestly i think a lot of this has to depend on the health of anthony schwartz if, if yeah. he if he has to go ir designated return to start the year uh versus uh being ready to go in some capacity week one i think that could be uh curtains for higgins yeah, yeah, no. Again, I, I, I think he is probably... I, I would be surprised if he's a roster cut. Um, he could be a guy that, you know, like, it happens every year, right? Where, like, 53-man rosters are released, and then three days later, there's a trade. Yeah. And I think, like, that is probably the world Higgins is looking at. Like, Higgins may have been promised a spot on the roster. Like, that could explain yesterday, and that wouldn't surprise me, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. best friends with Baker, or at least one of Baker's best friends on the team from everything we've heard, right? Like, he seems to get along well with the locker room. Like, they may have just said this in, like, chemistry reasons. We're not going to cut this guy, and we're going to tell him that. But they may be looking to trade him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, can I give you my guy? Yes. And I'm really sad to say this, but uh, before his injury, Nick Harris, man, he looked bad out there. Yeah, he didn't look good at all. I, I, he'll make, again, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't make the roster, but like Blake Hans went in, a guy mm-hmm. named Blake went in and looked really good yesterday, actually. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm not super worried about it, but I think Nick Harris has to do better, uh, especially for, for a year from now, he has to do better because a year from now he will be fighting for his NFL career. You're right. And, uh, you know, looking forward just a little bit. Um, you know, let's say the Browns keep nine offensive linemen. Uh, James Hudson would be the practice squad guy. It wouldn't be anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think they'll... Yeah, nine, James ten, Hudson I, looked rough. He looked bad, but I think everybody knew James Hudson was going to look bad, right? Yeah, like, so that's why This is a squad. guy that was incredibly raw. Right, so the question is, can you keep him on the practice squad without somebody else picking him up? Or does it make sense to just keep him on the roster and move, like, a Blake Hance to the practice squad, mm-hmm. right? And if you lose Blake Hance off the practice squad, you lose Blake Hance off the practice squad. Um, that's the tough thing. 
But yeah. yeah, I I would not be opposed to just putting Hudson on the practice squad, and if he gets picked up, he gets picked up. Listen, if someone uh, picks up James Hudson off the practice squad, uh, works with him, develops him, and turns him into a, a competent starting left tackle, kudos to you. This guy just learned how to play his position not too long ago. So yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. If someone's going to put in the the financial and the time commitment to doing that, uh, if you were if the Browns were to take him off, put on the practice squad, and he gets signed off of it. Go right ahead. I'm not going to be here being like, oh, my God, I can't believe the Browns practice squad at James Hudson. I'll be like, hey, uh, congratulations for successfully doing something that I don't think many people expect to happen. Right. Exactly. And I, I think, like, again, we have a good team now. We have a really good team now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, for as much as I agree with what you said about, like, the depth guys between the Browns and the Giants being pretty close in talent, like... Mm-hmm. The Browns have a really, really good first team. And they I think do. they have really good depth. They do. And to me, that just means, like, there are going to be guys that we would never expect to be practice squatted or cut mm-hmm. in the past. That, like, Mac Wilson doesn't have a shot in hell at making this roster. Absolutely not. Right? Like, he's not going to make the roster. And Browns fans are going to be like, how did that happen? And then we're going to say, point us to who you would have rather cut than Mac Wilson. And some jackass is going to say Malcolm Smith. <laughs> yeah, but that's dumb. Like, it, it is. <laughs> My point being dumb. that it's like, it's not reasonable. <laughs> right. I mean, like, that, that's dumb. Like, I yeah. don't know. I, I don't have any other. I, he's just not going to make it, right? And listen, I, the, the world in which he makes it is maybe Mac Wilson becomes good on special teams, and we just haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. But that's his only route to making the roster. Yeah. Absolutely. You know... I, I don't foresee a world where Mac Wilson makes the team, uh, even though the injury bug seems to doing him be giving him all the opportunities, chances, and giving me all the favors possible for him to make this team. I still don't think he makes it. No, I mean, I, I didn't mention him as my dude because he's just a dude. But like JOK, just looks like a dude. Yeah. Like, he, he played limited snaps. He's he's locked in as the starter at the position. Let's be real here. Yeah. So so you have JOK <laughs> on one end. I think Taki Taki is probably your strong side middle linebacker or strong side linebacker starter. Yeah, he, I think he uh, is. And then I think Andrew uh, Walker or what? Yeah, Andrew Walker. Anthony. Anthony Walker. <laughs> thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it's, he's a new guy. It's I'm okay. I, yeah. Anthony Walker, like he's calling the defense play, so he's a starter, mm-hmm. right? So you have your three starters locked in. Malcolm Smith can deputize in either any of those three linebacker spots. Mm-hmm. And I do think we're going to use a lot of nickel and dime. So I don't think you need much more than kind of like one to two backup linebackers. Mm-hmm. And the question is, are you going to keep Mac Wilson or are you going to keep somebody else? Right. And I think given the Browns depth chart, like I think it's possible there's other linebackers they keep. I think Tony Fields has a better shot of making this roster than Mac Wilson does. Yeah. Not because I think he's better. Um, I mean, I think he will be better, but he's not better right now. But just like that, that because he was just drafted with a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I would rather bake on the potential of Tony Fields than continue to run it back with uh, Mac Wilson. I mean, I, I saw this argument like, OK, what if Mac Wilson has learned how to read misdirection plays? And my response is great. Now he's a serviceable NFL player. Here's the problem. We have serviceable NFL linebackers on the roster already. 
You know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now, uh, looking at the linebacker spots. Like, J- Jacob Phillips getting hurt is Mac Wilson's shot to get on this roster. It, Jacob, Wilbs getting, Jacob Phillips getting hurt, followed by Montreal Meander getting signed and getting hurt again as yeah, well. Yeah. Is, 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 yeah. Is the football gods being like Mac Wilson? We're trying to do what you can. Uh, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, Mac Wilson may be a guy that gets traded, and that's how Higgins makes the roster. That's a good point. Because it, Mac Wilson's a guy the Browns will take a loss on, right? They'll say, We want a six round pick, and there will be a team at the end of the preseason that needs a linebacker and that says, You know what? This guy is still young. We know what he is, kind of. And yeah. it's better than what we have, so we'll trade it. So, like the Texans. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be anything, right? Like, yeah. uh, the, he's a guy that six, seventh round pick. The Browns yeah. will take. Uh, it's probably equivalent enough value, and you move on. And I, I just think that's the most likely world, unless, like, I mean, Willie Harvey Jr. is not good. So he was Elijah a Lee That's what he was. Was okay yesterday. Yeah, I, I just I don't know how many linebackers like as much as you and I like have joked and I think are correct that JOK is a linebacker. I don't know how much base four three they're going to run, right? Regardless of how you feel about it, mm-hmm. I, I think they are going to run a lot of nickel. Yeah, they're going to run a ton of nickel. Nickel is going to be base defense, whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, and they they will have a lot of a little bit of dime in there too. So I, it, I really don't know. Like it, between JOK and Anthony Walker, I think the majority of plays. Those are your two guys, and if one of them gets hurt, then you have Malcolm Smith come in. Yeah. Uh, it, we're not deep at linebacker, and again, that that is Mac Wilson's way on the roster. We're just not deep there. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how deep this team feels like it needs to be at that position. And, you know, just a little comment here uh, about the Browns and their depth at linebacker. Uh, with their complete lack of depth at linebacker, like it or not, JOK, is, you, you need him to be a linebacker. Uh, whether yeah. you wanted him to be one or not, he needs to be one now. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I do think the Browns, like, B.J. Goodson is still a free agent. And I know, I know he's not fast. He has issues. I get it. He also knows the defense, and he could be a guy that you signed at the last minute. I would be all in on them bringing back B.J. Goodson on some whatever minimum deal that... Yeah. Uh, seems almost destined to happen because he's still a free agent for some reason, and I don't quite understand. Because um, he, he's not bad. He's not, he's not great. Not necessarily even good. He's not bad. And it, for a backup linebacker, not bad. Yeah. You take that every day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I, I just, I, that that to me is like, do I think Anthony Walker is better? Yes, yeah, I do. Same. Uh, I, I do. Like, he, he just is. He's better. Um. I don't think that means B.J. Goodson's bad. And I think, honestly, what Mac Wilson does best is that weak side linebacker. And I think we're already stacked at weak side linebacker. Like, mm-hmm. J.O.K., Malcolm Smith, and Tony Fields are all going to be that weak side linebacker. So we already have three of those guys. So you're basically asking Mac Wilson to become the backup middle linebacker. And that is a terrifying proposition. That's, you're right, because what is his one weakness? He can't read anything. What does a middle yeah. linebacker need to do? Read things. And, like, here's the thing. I, as much as I think John Johnson probably could call the plays, it seems like this coaching staff 
wants the middle linebacker to call the plays. And there are strategic reasons for that, right? Which mm-hmm. is the middle linebacker can read more of the field. And we are a very much, we try to win early rather mm-hmm. than like get these guys in like deep dropbacks, which is what the Rams did. So for the Rams, it did make more sense for John Johnson to be calling plays. I get why they want the middle linebacker here to call plays. I, do you trust Mac Wilson to call plays? I don't. I trust BJ Goodson to call plays. Same. He did it last year. Mm-hmm. I trust Anthony Walker to call plays because, like, the dude is just really good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, frankly, he's not healthy, but if he were, I trust Jacob Phillips to call plays. Pretty much anyone but Mac Wilson. Like, <laughs> Mac Wilson just doesn't diagnose defense as well. And it is his biggest weakness. Like, I think athletically he is a limit on him. It's a limit on his ceiling. But his floor is entirely determined by his inability to read the offense, read the play. He just cannot do it. You're right. You're 100% right. So, eh, I don't know. I, that's a guy, again, and this just gets, I think, an overall theme we've been talking about for the past two weeks and kind of the theme in this guys versus dude segment, which now we're going to do, like, for every game. But I, I, I that, this is, like, we are going to have to have guys that in years past would always make the roster. Like, Browns fans, this is what it's like to be on a good team. Uh, yes, absolutely right. Um, I am seeing something that they were releasing Robert Jackson, but that's expected. Yep, no surprise. Yep. Um, just a little side note. But <clears throat> there's one thing I wanted to, to get into uh, to kind of wrap up this podcast, and it's basically... Um, from what I've seen uh, on the internet, uh, it's basically on the internet and Twitter, is that nobody seems to understand what preseason's for. Um, I mean, <laughs> based off of uh, how they're running things, I, I guess I should be using the term running uh, lightly, considering they passed the ball 35 times, but no one seems to understand the purpose of why the Browns were doing things they were, the way they were offensively. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also had this tweet yesterday. Like, beyond just, like, look at the talent we have out there. Of course we're going to pass the ball more. Look at who's competing for spots. Of course we're going to pass the ball more. Mm-hmm. Which I think are your points, and your yes. points are down. Guess what plays are most likely to result in injuries? It's run play. On offense. Run plays. Mm-hmm. So guess what the Browns sure as shit aren't going to do a lot? Yeah, I mean, the, Demetri Felton was second on the team in carries with eight. John Kelly had nine for 58. Uh, John Kelly's fine. It was, it was like, awesome when he scored that touchdown. It was just like, you're going to get, like, probably cut today or tomorrow, probably, or next week at some point. But <clears throat> it's, it's run plays. The John Kelly story to me and, like, Davion Davis, like, this is what's cool about the preseason. They have no shot in hell at making this roster, mm-hmm. but they're fighting for their ability to stay in the NFL. Yeah, right. And so you're seeing them giving max effort. Cool. You're seeing them give max effort, and I think that's that's yep. awesome to see. Yeah. But the basically the reason I'm like they have to evaluate their pass catchers. They have to evaluate uh, who their fourth tight end is going to be. They have to figure out uh, are they going to keep four running backs? Are they going to keep uh, four tight ends? Are they going to keep six slash seven receivers, including Felton in the mix? So yeah, you're right. going to pass a little bit more. That's right. just how it is. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that's just also like 
you are trying, I mean, they were saying uh, before the game, like what they are running is the most vanilla version of this playbook as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's very clear. Like they ran one play action play like 18 different times out of like three different formations, like the play action flood. Like they just did that over and over and over and over and over again. Um, But there's a reason why you do that, right? Like there's a reason why the only outside zone play they ran was the stretch, Mm -hmm. right? Like where basically the receiver more likely than not just given where the offensive line is, it's just going to run outside and forward rather than like bouncing back in or cutting back in. Um, They're just going to bounce out and run. Uh, There's a reason for that. They're the most basic plays of the offense. Well, most basic, right. Like we are going to run that in different formations in different ways during the regular season, but like you need to be able to do that to be on this roster. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're going to run those plays a lot. And it just so happens that, like, there's a lot less questions about the running back room than there is about the wide receiver room. Yeah. And so we're going to run play action flood over and over and over and over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. to see who does it best. And, and that's exactly what we saw. We saw lots of play action flood. We saw lots of... I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, any game that Kyle will let us throw in the ball twenty three times, that's a that's a game you lose. Yeah. Uh, it, it they passed twenty three times with Loretta, twelve times with Keenum. It, it it's not because they're impressed by what they have to offer. It's uh, we need to see what the other guys, uh, you know, the pass catchers are doing. And it's not even the guys catching the ball. It's just uh, how did this guy uh, run his route. Was this guy able to get open? Was he able to create separation? Uh, if it's a, a you know a tight end going on a you know a, a block and release, was did he do that adequately? You know what right. I mean? It's there's so many things besides just the the pass and catch, if there was a catch, right? That that we're looking into. Exactly. No, exactly. I agree. I, it's like honestly, uh, and this is a great time to break that uh, Cody Parkey's done for the season. Yep. But I feel like preseason, you should view every play as just like a field goal kick or an extra point. Mm-hmm. In so far as like, there's nothing complicated about an extra point or a field goal, right? It's, it's every, the play is the same every time. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to get the ball in the middle of the goalpost in the net. Yeah. Um, that's how we should be viewing every single preseason play. Pretty much, it, there's there's very little stock to put into any of what happens here. It's it, you evaluate the player and what he's doing. You don't evaluate the game concepts. Exactly. <laughs> you you don't evaluate the philosophy. Okay. Because yeah. I I saw a lot of that going on, and I'm just like, do you know football? <laughs> do yeah. you know do you know the the basic concept of you know not showing your hand before it's time to actually get into the game? Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it just doesn't make sense, right? Do I? And you don't want to like injure players either. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, man. Like to me, I just preseason's fun. This is fun. We have football yeah. again. But it's fun to see, like, okay, these players are fighting. A lot of them are fighting for their NFL careers, right? Yes. Mac Wilson or Chart Higgins aren't, right? They they will play somewhere this season. Mm-hmm. But like a guy like Greg Sinat, yeah, right. Or a guy like, uh, I don't know. Uh, another guy who looked really good, by the way, is Richard the Count. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he's another guy that, like, 
is not going to play a lot this year, but I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, yeah. But uh, guys like Malik McDowell, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Curtis Weaver. Like, these are guys fighting for their NFL careers. And to me, that's what's really cool when you watch that. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to focus on that aspect. Yeah. You know, yeah, the Browns won. Cool. Uh, end result really doesn't matter here. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, I, I, I joke all the time, right? Like, I literally did not care if we won or lost the game yesterday. Like, I could, you don't, when I say I didn't care, I had, like, zero. Like, there was, like, I wasn't even really rooting for the Browns yesterday. I was just watching because I wanted to talk about it with you on the podcast. Yeah, I was sitting there, I was, I'm watching the game, I'm like, okay, this guy looks like he's doing what he's supposed to, uh, you know, this guy, <clears throat> Higgins, uh, didn't do what he was supposed to, and, you know, just kind of taking some mental notes, putting out some things on Twitter, and, you know, getting into a couple spats, but whatever, that's just what happens when you enter the, uh, the Richard Higgins Twitterverse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's pretty much what happens there. Uh yeah. Do you have anything else you would like to to add in before we wrap up here? That's really it for me, man. Uh, Again, just uh, rate, review. If you're listening on iTunes, leave a comment. And we'll be back Thursday talking, uh, prepping for the game this weekend. And season's getting closer, man. Yep. And just one last thing. Reminder to subscribe.